0: You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek.
1: Live from Chickentown, this is the Flopcast episode 614.
0: On Flopcast.net.
1: Yes, yes, hello, Cornflake! Hi!
0: How are you, Kevin?
1: Um, Good, I'm excited. We actually have something planned tonight. A
0: couple of somethings. Has
1: not, has not happened in several weeks, I think.
0: Several somethings for this show tonight. We've
1: been kind of limping through the new year, but now we have, we have a plan. We have a mission tonight, and in fact, we've brought in an expert. We brought in a ringer, a secret special surprise guest. Everybody, please welcome, back to the Flopcast from Sci-Fi Explosion, it's Chris.
2: Hello, it's a, it's a pleasure to be back here as a uh, certified faxologist i'm very excited about tonight's
1: show chris is back and you're, you're not even here to talk about robots no no uh
2: i don't <laughs> think there were any, ever any robots on uh on the facts of life over its nine seasons which is sad
1: i was just gonna ask if you could remember a robot i i don't think there were ever any robot antics
0: I think Pippa was a robot.
1: <laughs> Pippa may have been a robot. Good point. <laughs> but yeah, in, in like 200 episodes or 201 episodes, something like that, I don't remember. There was a computer episode.
2: Computer dating.
1: One of the later seasons with, yeah. with Joe. Joe was on a computer. Yep. And it was it was like a sitcom writer's vision of how a computer would work, yes. where like the computer would just talk to her and make sarcastic replies. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no robots a missed opportunity but obviously we're talking about the facts of life tonight we are reviving our uh, long abandoned <laughs> project the backs of life we're finally getting back on track with the facts of life and we're gonna bring it on home uh get into that in just a couple of minutes first let's get our usual business out of the way cornflake what is national whatever day <laughs>
0: Call February 14th what you will. Some call it Valentine's Day. I have been known to call it National Horned Lizard Day. Right. It is also, as it turns out, National Ferris Wheel Day.
1: All right. I had no idea.
0: So I thought it might be fun with the three of us here to talk about Ferris wheels from pop culture, because when I realized it was National Ferris Wheel Day, two instances of ferris wheels in movies came to mind right away
1: i cannot think of any uh but in the four seconds i've had to think about it <laughs> I'm, I'm, i got nothing only one jumped to mind for me
0: let's hear yours
2: first uh cloverfield the end of cloverfield when the tape smashes back to them in happier times on the ferris wheel
1: that was the found footage monster movie thing the found
2: footage monster movie and in- you see in the background something falls into the ocean, which people speculate is the Cloverfield monster.
1: Ah, I, th- I, saw, I think I saw Cloverfield, although I really don't remember <laughs> anything about it at this point. Cornflake, what what, what Ferris wheels have, have you brought to the discussion?
0: Charlotte's Web was the first one that came to mind. Ah. Where they're all at the fair, and Fern is on the Ferris wheel with her new bow. Uh, <laughs> the other one I thought of, uh, far more recent, the movie Shazam! When the whole oh. Shazam family is in the amusement park and the fight's going down.
1: Yeah, like the Christmas amusement park in Chris's town of Philadelphia, I believe.
2: <laughs> yes, that looks nothing like Philadelphia.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Philadelphia is not just a Christmas Ferris wheel wonderland.
2: So there actually is a Ferris wheel now at our city hall. It's been there since just before the shazam uh, came to town. But yeah, <laughs> I've never ridden on it.
0: For all the CGI they could have used in the movie, in the making of the movie, actually did destroy a Ferris wheel. Oh, wow. That is real. Okay. (laughs) And the makers of the movie took one last ride on the Ferris wheel before they brought it down in that
1: scene. Hmm. Okay, so they knew they were going to destroy it. Yep. Okay, it wasn't just a horrifying accident on the set. (laughs)
0: No. No, destroying it was part of the plan.
2: No unkempt carnies brought it down from lack of (laughs) preparation
1: and maintenance. I'm trying to get in on this and come up with a Ferris wheel. The only one I can think of is from Davy and Goliath.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, now you must tell us more.
1: Yeah, well, there's an episode of Davy and Goliath, which I I love Davy and Goliath. I've seen every episode 8,000 times. There's one. I think it's called Boy Lost, but it's Davy and his father go to the carnival and get separated. So Davy is now lost at the carnival. And at one point, they're trying to find each other. They both get on the ferris wheel separately so that when it goes up high they can look around and try to find the other one so and they there's this long sequence of the wheel is just going around and you see both of them you know like on opposite ends of the ferris wheel yeah. just going in circles so they they don't stand chance they never found each other <laughs> it was the final episode thank
2: you <laughs> wow hey davy uh-uh. <laughs> i miss you The carny took you away.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Now, Davey did run off and join the circus, and that was a different episode. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. Davey came very close to just becoming, you know, carny trash, as (laughs) Pendulet calls himself uh, at least a couple of times, all thanks to the magic of Ferris wheels. When was the last time uh, either of you were on a Ferris wheel? Because for me, it's got to be several decades.
2: Uh, It was right after I graduated high school. So
1: Like four years ago? (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh, it's been a little more recent for me Yeah, for that.
1: Are you currently on a Ferris wheel?
0: <laughs> I absolutely am. I have a great view <laughs> wow. of of uh, Chicken
1: Town from where I sit. Can you see Davy's father by any chance?
0: <sighs> it's kind of dark. <laughs> so, <you know. laughs>
1: uh, that's a no.
2: I recently watched Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Does that count?
1: That absolutely counts. Okay. Yeah. Yes. The movie or the TV show with Jennifer Aniston?
2: Uh-uh. Oh, man, I would revisit that TV show now because Charlie Schlatter, yes, uh, he is no Matthew Broderick, but uh, (laughs) Parker Lewis Can't Lose was a better Ferris Bueller TV series than Ferris Bueller was.
1: Right, yeah, the Ferris ripoff series was the uh, better and long-running show. Uh, All right, happy Ferris Wheel Day, everybody. (laughs) Make it a good one. Meanwhile, we've got business to get to here. Yeah, the Backs of Life. So uh, to reset for uh, any listeners who have no idea what we're talking about, uh, back in, I think, 2021, we started watching every backdoor pilot episode of The Facts of Life, the beloved 80s sitcom uh, set at a girls' high school, The Facts of Life. Several times over the course of the series, they had... Backdoor pilot episodes in which they, they tried to make an episode which would be a spin off into a whole new separate series. And they tried it many, many times and nothing worked. <laughs> there was <laughs> never an actual spin off series out of the facts of life, but they just kept trying. So we thought we would watch all the backdoor pilot episodes and review them all. And we got started, uh, yeah, like three, four years ago. And We never finished. So now (laughs) it's a new year. I guess this is, what, the 45th anniversary year for the Facts of Life. Wow. That's exciting and weird and terrifying when you put it that way. (laughs) Yeah, Facts of Life started in 1979. So this is a big anniversary year for the girls. Hmm. And so we got to get back to work. Now, the the previous episodes that uh, we had looked at, the Backdoor Pilot episodes... Uh, that was all from within the first four seasons. And then they gave up and took a break from Backdoor Pilots.
0: Yeah, they cut it out for a while.
1: Mm-hmm. They took half a decade off <laughs> from this uh, little project of theirs. Five years later, they're ready to try again. We're gonna, we- and, and also, this is the very bitter end of the series. They thought, all right, Facts of Life is coming to a close. This is our last chance. We've got to try to spin off. A new series and so they tried uh, a couple of times right at the very end so we're jumping right to the end of season nine uh this is season nine episode 22 and this episode originally aired march 19th 1988 just to lay the groundwork for where we are I've got the top ten movies from that week in 1988, and okay. one or two of these movies I have no memory of at all. Uh, <laughs> Shoot to Kill is it number ten? I don't know what that is. Do you know that one, Chris?
2: That's a uh, is that Tom Berger and Kirstie Alley kind of action thriller?
1: I feel maybe. Uh let's say yes, it is. Okay, <laughs> I'm going to assume you're correct. Number nine is Frantic. I remember that. That's Harrison Ford. Yeah, that was yeah. a Harrison Ford action thriller, and this is absolutely true. I went to see Frantic and. I Fell Asleep at a Screening of Frantic. <laughs>
0: okay. Thank
1: you. Uh, number eight is Off Limits. I remember that as well. That's a Vietnam movie, I believe. Uh, okay. Seven is Three Men and a Baby. Six is Moonstruck. Five is Masquerade. I don't know what Masquerade is. I,
2: don't I have that. no idea what that is.
1: <laughs> number five movie. None of us know it. It's Masquerade. Number four is Vice Versa. That's one of those kids and adults switching places movies. This is the uh, Fred Savage and Judge Reinhold. Judge Reinhold, yes, yes.
2: <laughs> Not to be confused with uh, like Father, Like, Son, which was a year before, and Dudley Moore and Kirk Cameron.
1: Right, right. And, of course, Big. and, and big,
2: Oh, yeah, Big. <laughs> yeah, that
1: one. And 18 again with George Burns. Oh, and, and Charlie Schlatter. And the aforementioned
2: <laughs>
1: Mr. Schlatter. Correct. But in this case, we're talking uh, Vice Versa with Fred Savage was number four. Three is DOA. That's uh Dennis Quaid thriller, I believe. Maybe Meg Ryan as well. I remember well.
0: seeing a lot of commercials for that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Meg Ryan as
1: well. That was, okay. I know uh, Dennis and Meg made a couple together back then. Uh, number two is Good Morning Vietnam. And bizarrely, number one is Police Academy 5, Assignment oh. Miami Beach. <laughs> so not a huge week at the movies. <laughs> no. But there you go. Uh, I also pulled up the top ten songs this week in march of 1988 and this is a fun list uh number 10 is can
0: i can i guess at least one of them that's on there and yes. i won't guess what the song is but is tiffany somewhere on the list
1: that's an excellent guess ed you're very close but no tiffany is not on this list oh okay be.
0: well thank you for indulging me
1: number 10 is a favorite of ours oh, oh and uh i'm gonna guess a favorite of chris's because at number 10 Get out of my dreams, get into my car.
2: I feel it's lesser Billy Ocean, but I'll allow it. <laughs> As I,
1: we do happen to know Chris is something of a Billy Ocean aficionado. Uh, it's no lover boy, I'll grant I'd you. I
2: prefer to be called a Billy Oceanographer.
1: Oh, that's perfect Uh, Let's get out of my dreams, get into my car Number nine is Keith Sweat, I Want Her Uh, Eight is David Lee Roth, Just Like Paradise Number seven, here's where you almost were correct with Tiffany It's uh, Debbie, it's Debbie Gibson, Ah. Out of the Blue I went to a Debbie Gibson concert last year It was fantastic Uh, Number six is Patrick Swayze, She's Like the Wind Oh, wow Uh, Not a bad song
0: Every kid I knew who was doing dancing, everyone I knew was choreographing a song to She's Like the Wind. There was so much ballet to that song.
1: Nice. Yeah, I could break out in a little ballet right now to some Swayze. <laughs> I get that. Uh, number five, Richard Marks, Endless Summer Nights. That's a good one. Yes. Number four is Michael Jackson, Man in the Mirror. Number three is George Michael, Father Figure. Oh. Two is Belinda <laughs> Carlisle. I Get Weak. That's a good one, too. I went to a Belinda Carlisle concert last year also. Number one. Number one, obviously, it's Rick Astley. And you know the song I'm talking about. Oh wow!
2: <laughs> yes, that was all. you we rickrolling. <laughs> you just set us up for a very lengthy rickroll, and I, I I appreciate that.
1: That was the longest, most anticlimactic rickroll in history. But no, yes. it,
2: was, it was superb. <laughs> ten out of ten tooties for that uh, rickroll there. <laughs>
1: Excellent. So that's where we were as a a people. (laughs) This magic (laughs) night in uh, 1988, when the Facts of Life girls are back in the backdoor pilot business. Uh, The name of this episode is Big Apple Blues. I remember watching this episode way back in the day.
0: I was watching Facts of Life back in 1988. I do not remember this
1: episode. Yeah, so this is uh, essentially, this is Natalie Moves to New York. That's the concept is we're going to spin off Natalie into her own new show in which uh, she's sharing an apartment in New York with a bunch of uh, wacky other young people, struggling artists and such. That's the concept.
2: Before we get into the the episode itself, can I just share a little something with, with both of you? Yeah, please. In my mind, until I I, I watched this for the first time since the 80s about three (laughs) or four months ago, and in my mind, I had this mixed up with the Family Ties proposed spinoff, The Art of Being Nick.
1: Oh, yeah.
2: It was one of, I think, three proposed spinoffs for the Nick character from Family Ties, in which Nick also becomes roommates with a bunch of like very kind of (laughs) characters and in my mind instead of it being richard grieco it was scott valentine and interestingly enough the actress who plays performance artist claire also known as wave in this episode co-starred with scott valentine in the 1987 horror comedy my demon lover so wow i think there should be six degrees of uh scott valentine
1: that's amazing. Yeah, I remember the art of being Nick being a proposed spinoff, yeah, for Mallory's uh, wacky yeah. artist boyfriend. Uh, but yeah, that's this. I didn't realize it was the same concept <laughs> as this one. That's great.
2: Little factoids like that are why I will die alone. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks,
1: everyone. All right, so let's roll back a little bit before we get to uh, Natalie bumping into Claire. And because back in (laughs) Peekskill, before uh, she takes off for the big city, here is uh, our regular cast, which at this point, this is the bitter end of Facts of Life. So you have uh, Blair, Natalie, Tootie, Joe, of course. But now this is also Beverly Ann instead of Mrs. Garrett. Um, And you've got little Andy played by Mackenzie Astin. He'd been hanging around for a couple of years at this point, two, three years, I guess. Yep. A- and you've got Pippa, because we've got to talk about Pippa.
2: Pippa <laughs> oh, is just the, the, the very uh, perky, I would say, cousin Oliver of the Facts <laughs> of Life. But as Kevin knows, and as Cornflake, I'm sure, knows, and as I've gone on record many, many times in my life, I think cousin Oliver was not a terrible thing. And God hmm. forbid anyone <laughs> takes that as me bad mouthing the honorable and wonderful Robbie wrist, but it was kind of that, you know, the show is getting long in the tooth. We need some fresh blood. Let's bring in another new character. Uh, and I don't even remember at this point if, Pippa was introduced into the in the facts of life down under television movie or not?
1: No, I, I think that was completely separate yeah, from the Pippa it, character. It was
2: just like Crocodile Dundee was big. Uh, <laughs> Olivia Newton John's koala blue stores were already out of business, but you know, America <laughs> still had a love affair with Australia.
1: Yeah, we we are very pro Cousin Oliver around here. Absolutely, of course. Now that said, I'm not always on board when they throw a new little kid in the cast because we are very uh, anti new little kid on different strokes
2: oh yeah yeah
1: <laughs> that was a big problem yeah but yeah cousin oliver we're fine with um and and like they tried to cousin oliver facts of life several years earlier with andy
2: and even before andy with uh
1: oh and also yeah pam adlon yeah
2: yeah
1: yeah they had the little shoplifting kid uh played by pam adlon as well but especially andy it's like okay let's try a little boy and it's yeah. been all girls this whole series they threw in a little boy to hang out with the girls all the time, and it seemed like just kind of a you know cousin Oliver style end of the series. Let's just try whatever, who cares? And, and no one could have known that the show would just keep lurching along yeah. for, for another, another five years. <laughs> I will
2: actually say that I'm very, very much pro Andy. Uh, I think ah. I think it's a really fun character. There's a uh, there's a great episode where Blair and Joe are chained together um not in that way <laughs> fan fiction writers <laughs> hey. but they're handcuffed together at the news station that they the college news station they both work at and they uh instead of Blair allowing Joe to read a um manifesto on air they keep cutting back to a live remote at over our heads which was their Spencer's <laughs> style new wave store
1: oh yeah that they owned.
2: <laughs> uh and no one had anything you know and hilarity ensues but at one point, the camera just goes to the Andy character, and with perfect comic timing, Mackenzie Aston says, I'm Andy Moffat, I fly jets. And to this day, that line gets me, <laughs> because he's wearing these aviator glasses, and it's just, he, I, I thought Andy was a really, really fun character.
1: And I think, I believe Cornflake, you would also be in the pro-Andy camp, right?
2: Yes.
0: Pro-Andy now that I look back, because particularly there was an episode right before this one where he was very funny, but pro-Andy because I had a serious crush on Andy (laughs) back in the day. So yes please.
1: <laughs> yeah, so for me I I guess I'm outnumbered then. I I'm the only no vote on Andy. Not to take anything away from Mackenzie Aston who I think, you know, did a fine job in the part. I just for for me I thought no, this kid's just not working for me uh, on the show. Uh, but but he he was a talented Young actor and part of that mighty Aston family, of yes. course, you know, with Sh- Sean Aston and John Aston and, and so on. Uh, and then I believe in recent years, he was on a show called The Magicians, which uh, the mayor of Chickentown was a huge fan of. Oh, yeah. if, if I'm remembering yes. correctly, that's the yes. show that she saw him on. Yeah. So still doing some good work even these days.
2: He did some Lost as well as uh, a okay. of uh, Kate's exes, I believe.
1: And yeah, Pippa, Pippa. was introduced earlier, earlier in the final season season nine they throw out that let's throw a a young australian girl into the show because so our regular facts of life cast they're all long out of high school but it was i liked having pippa around for one reason to have a girl in an eastland school uniform you know because obviously that the girls were all either in college or out of college at this point
0: Yeah, Joe is married at this point, but weirdly (laughs) still hanging around an awful lot for somebody who was married and should have moved on.
1: That was another uh, final season episode was Joe gets married to a weird idiot dude. So Pip is hanging around at the beginning as well. So it's all your classic girls plus Beverly Ann, Andy, Pippa, and they've got the couch up against the wall they're cleaning up the room and they're trying to get rid of a bunch of old junk and they're talking about having a garage sale that's the whole uh, opening scene. I think one of my favorite parts of this opening scene is is because uh, Blair gets all excited about the idea of selling stuff, and she's acting kind of weird. And I like Beverly Ann referencing that Blair has been acting strangely since the stock market crash. Yes. <laughs> and I love that because that was a, a recent event at that point. They wove it in. They topical. A, a rare topical moment <laughs> for Facts of Life. So that was kind of fun. Uh, so meanwhile, Natalie is uh, concerned about her future and what she's going to do. And she's thinking about getting a job driving a hearse.
0: <laughs> did Wait, didn't she say going back to driving a hearse? Because she had had she done that before? One of the running gags in the
2: last season was how she had a bunch of different jobs.
1: I guess I should have rolled back a little uh, earlier. I did some pre-gaming before Big Apple Blues episode. I watched the previous six episodes before this one which were Natalie Hooks Up with Snake, oh <laughs> and, which was a huge controversial episode at the time. Snake, Natalie's weird boyfriend, Snake, the, the dude from uh, Fast Times and fame. Uh, then uh, Pippa was in a band.
2: That's right,
1: yeah. Pippa's in a band, a terrible band, but but with a great name. Pippa was in a rock band called The Witches of Eastland. Nice. Nice. Which is brilliant. Also, <laughs> awesome. they go to a spa uh, where Blair's hair turns green
2: shades
1: of brady bunch i like that oh yeah shades of uh, brady bunch greg's hair turns orange and different strokes uh, kimberly's hair turns green yeah so part of a long crowd sitcom tradition there's also a great fantasy sequence in that episode where there's like a quick weird fantasy scene of the whole regular cast in a rock band but it's like a glam rock band they're all in like crazy costumes oh yeah so that's fun yeah, the last season was insane. Yep. It's so insane. The next episode after that is Blair gets in a car accident and she's in the hospital with a giant scar on her head. And she's disfigured
2: for life for one episode.
1: Yep. Yes, until the next episode where it's never spoken of again. Uh, the next episode is when Joe marries that, that idiot. The episode after that is Joe is working at a community center, and she ends up having to go out on a ledge to talk somebody down who's going to jump off the building.
2: A suicidal co-worker, yes. There
0: was a lot of that going on in the, like, the late 80s TV shows, because didn't Punky Brewster also have to yes. do that with a friend?
1: Yeah. Everybody's out on a ledge. Yeah, that yeah. happened on Different Strokes as well. They all had to go out on a ledge once. Uh, sitcom ledges are great because they're like <laughs> like <laughs> six feet wide. <laughs> Plenty of clearance on a ledge on a sitcom. Uh, exactly. And then, uh, then we have Pippa throws a wild party and breaks Tootie's boyfriend's grandmother's ugly necklace. Yeah. So that's what was all leading up to uh, Big Apple Blues. So... Tootie's got a rehearsal for an acting job in New York City and convinces Natalie to come along with her. Then they decide, hey, let's stay at uh, uh, Natalie's friend Corey, has a a big loft apartment, and we can make a whole weekend out of it, stay at Corey's place. And then it's off to New York City. We don't see the rest of the cast again until the very end. Now we're getting deep into backdoor pilot territory and they arrive at the door to this uh, loft apartment.
2: Kevin, could I just interrupt at this point? Please. I just, two points here. First off, Corey Daniels. I don't know if the Corey Daniels, who is Natalie's model friend who lives in the Soho loft was ever mentioned before on the facts of life. I don't recognize that name. It certainly wasn't a existing character, but more importantly, there is a, an incredible, an incredible thing that this episode does to drive the point home that we're not in Peak Skill anymore, and that it's it's an exterior of the New York City loft accompanied by hip guitar music. <laughs> and it is TV circa 1988's idea of what like alternative hip guitar music is. It's a lot of like, <laughs> or, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: Yeah, it really paints a picture.
1: <laughs> I think they got the Witches of Eastland to uh, <laughs> record that little transition music. Yes. So what the, they're at the door, and there appears to be a homeless person. Sitting there. Just uh, crashing right outside the door to the apartment. And it's very bizarre. They end up, there's a spare key hidden uh, under the guy's hat. And then apparently it's not a real homeless person. It's a sculpture, a statue, sculpture of a homeless person, and that's where they keep their spare key. I, <laughs> I don't know what to. There's so many weird things to consider about that scene. Yeah,
2: the once we learn more about the artist, though, and right. and these these characters and all, it all kind of makes sense that. Oh, artists, they're so wacky. (laughs) There's a lot of that that's going on in this episode.
1: It's wacky, but man, that's a horrifying visual to to (laughs) have. It's kind of problematic and unsettling in in several ways. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But that's what they do. We're going to make a fake homeless guy and hide our spare key under his hat. Yikes.
0: Doesn't everyone.
1: Just the yikes! So the mysterious uh, friend Corey, we never see at all. She's she's off on a job or something. They find a girl, blonde girl, inside the apartment who is uh, covered in Christmas lights because she's got some weird performance art thing going or an experiment or something. She's the artist. Claire, who we were speaking of earlier,
0: she also has an on-off sign.
1: She's wearing an on-off sign, right? That's that's part of what she's doing with electric lights and stuff. She's covered in Christmas lights and acting very weird, played by Michelle Little, yes, who I was not familiar with, and uh, she made a horror movie with uh,
2: Scott Valentine. Yeah,
1: I, Scott I, Valentine. I, <laughs> um,
2: I I I absolutely IMDb'd her because uh-huh. oh yeah, watched the episode today and took my notes. I was like. She looks familiar, but yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm not familiar with that movie. I did notice she seemed to have several movie titles that seemed like horror movies, so I think she did a lot of horror. She was in Return of the Shaggy Dog for Disney.
0: Aww.
1: Uh, She made a Gambler movie with Kenny Rogers. Hey. She's in the Gambler 5, Playing for Keeps. Boy, that, that franchise went way longer than I thought. How many Gambler movies did they make? I think more than five. I don't think he was done.
2: Is it like he still knows how to hold them? Is that like
1: (laughs) the... He did not know when to walk away from the Gambler movie (laughs) franchise. Uh, She was in Apollo 13. The only kind of recurring part I noticed for her was a TV series from 1999 called Legacy. She was in four episodes of and it had something to do with a Kentucky horse farm. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. So not not huge uh, credits for uh, Michelle. Nothing major pops out of me from her credits, but it's still uh, she was certainly a busy working actress. That's Michelle. Uh, what was up with Tootie's hair at this point as well? Tootie's hair seems to change from scene to scene.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, so does her characterization in this episode. Okay. So I took so many notes about this episode, but most of them are about tootie and i'm not really (laughs) jumping ahead here but it's just like tootie at this point her whole goal and the whole reason they're in new york in the first place is because tootie wants to be a broadway dancer okay but tootie throughout this episode is freaked out by other artists she goes (laughs) she's been going on auditions for years but she is so freaked out by other artists, she can't understand why Natalie finds these strangers engaging. And it's kind of like, oh, why would you want to move to New York City? Girl, your whole job is you want to be a Broadway dancer. So it makes no sense to me how they're writing 2D. And also, like for me, I think it would have been a better premise if they had 2D and Natalie wanting to move to New York city together. And they both live with these wacky new characters. I yeah. think you know, that would have been a much stronger pilot. I think because it's just like the Natalie tootie friendship is at the backbone of the facts of life because yeah. it was there from the beginning they yes. were established friends from the very first episode, whereas everyone else, the friendship, built over time. So they're just going to say goodbye and have it be like, oh, no big deal. Meanwhile, I mean, it isn't that big of a deal because 2D presumably will be in the city auditioning all the time and will probably become an actress. But their friendship was just dismissed, and that's something they did in the in the next episode of Facts of Life. You know, they really... You spent nine years with these characters and they get no proper goodbye whatsoever. It's like their friendships meant nothing. And this episode really, really did Natalie and Tootie's friendship dirty. But it's still very confusing that like, why would Tootie almost be like, these artists are freaks? Who wants to deal with these kind of people?
1: Tootie's dream was to work on Broadway, but commute from peak skill every day.
0: (laughs) Well, Chris, I I definitely feel you on this. we, We
1: all had the same thought.
0: How could Tootie not support Natalie in her dream? Like she's trying to discourage Natalie from staying when she knows that the choice back home is to be a hearse driver. I mean, come on!
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's so crazy that she's discouraging of Natalie. Meanwhile, she's literally in New York to try to get a job herself.
2: (laughs) One of the last lines of this episode did something that made me so unbelievably ridiculously happy involving the Tootie character that we'll we'll circle around to when we're talking about the back in peak skill part of this episode because they did something and it made me scream with joy. So that's a little <laughs> tease for everyone listening at We will get back to that.
1: All right. I look forward to that.
2: But Tootie Tootie, what is up?
1: What's up is her hair, anyways. <laughs> how we got on the the, the d tangent.
2: She was too close to Claire's electricity.
1: In this scene, the hair was—it was like a squirrel's nest.
2: Yes, it was ridiculous, or
1: a, a squouse nest, as we have here in Chicken Town. But yeah, every every scene it, look, it looked different. She looks great, but the hair is really doing its own thing constantly. But you know why not? It's fun. Anyway, we meet our next uh, player at this point because Nina arrives. Nina is the uh, aspiring dancer. Of the apartment,
0: and they drove home. Just how flexible she is! She got her heel up on the top of the door, or whatever, doing a split, oh, yeah. just standing there.
1: So Nina, uh, played by Tara Bennett Smith, and uh, also a very busy uh, working actress to this day.
2: Yeah, has worked consistently since then. And yeah, you look at her IMDb credits and be like, oh yeah,
1: she's yeah still busy today. She's starring in a TV series currently. It looks like uh, going by IMDb, there's a TV show called The Right Turn, and that's right with a W, W R I G H T, and she is the lead on the show. I don't know anything about it, but she's uh, currently starring in a show. The thing I would have definitely seen her in is uh, Bosch. She was on two episodes yeah. of Bosch a few years ago. Nothing else was really popping out at me from her credits, but a, a very busy lady. So Nina's the dancer, and then we meet the actor, Ben, played by Richard Grieco. <laughs> yeah, Richard Grieco was, uh, at this point, like a few months away from becoming a pretty big star. And he's yep. got
0: hair like Gaston from Beauty and the Beast.
1: <laughs> <laughs> now, I-, I was never a uh, 21 Jump Street viewer i was aware of this guy existing like he was famous enough that i kind of knew who he was back then i knew the name and i remember like he got his own spin-off series from jump street called booker uh, okay. i don't think i ever saw either of those series but i know that he he was a pretty big deal for a little while at least
2: charismatic in that late 80s kind of way
1: my favorite richard grieco trivia though is that richard grieco uh is from franklin massachusetts A town that I know all too well. Uh, I used to uh, host an open mic night in Franklin, Massachusetts. I've spent a lot of time in Franklin. It's hard for me to picture him in Franklin. (laughs) You
0: mean he never came in and did open mic at the grind?
1: He never came to my open mic night. My open (laughs) mic night was all high school girls singing jewel songs. And not once did Greco come in and break into uh, who will save your soul.
0: I would have taken him to be more of a Foolish Games kind of guy.
1: He might have done that yeah. one. Yeah. yeah. But I like that uh, he was from uh, my old town of Franklin. Franklin, by the way, Chris, uh, named after Ben Franklin because Ben Franklin donated a bunch of books to the town and they founded the first public library there using Ben Franklin's books.
2: Nice. Did he hide any corpses anywhere in the town?
1: Oh, excellent question. I'll have to go back and uh, search around a bit. Did he hide corpses? That's the rumor,
2: is that he was using corpses for medical experiments and then, you know, burying them in places.
1: Well, he's a a Philadelphia guy, certainly, so uh, you you must know all kinds of- Allegedly.
2: Don't sue me, Ben Franklin.
1: Allegedly. (laughs) (laughs) And if you go to the library in Franklin to this day, you can see Ben Franklin's books. They've got a little display cabinet. That's actually pretty cool. Yeah, his books are still there. I've got one right here, in fact, because I checked it out and I never brought it back.
2: Hey. (laughs)
1: What are they going to do?
0: You're such a rubble.
1: You know it. So, all right. So there's Greco anyway. I like that they mentioned that he played King Toast. King Toast.
2: (laughs) Yes, I had that noted as well. Kevin, I love the way your mind works.
1: (laughs) He played King Toast in a margarine commercial. I would love to see King Toast.
2: I love that both of our notes have King Toast in them. You both are my people. I, I really have to say that. And also I'm sorry, but you are my people.
1: Nobody else would have bothered making a note of King Toast, but to us that's the most important moment. It's in very the whole important.
2: Show. Again,
0: all caps. <laughs> well margar- <laughs> Margarine was especially hip back then, so
2: It was. Yeah. The name of the margarine was I can't believe it's not Johnny Depp. <laughs>
1: There were so many margarine commercials back then. Yes, there really were. The 1970s and 80s was just... It was slathered with margarine. They were just trying to sell us on margarine. So much country cock, so little time.
2: The one I remember was like something that, like, it was a lid that would move up and say butter.
0: Parquet. Oh, yeah.
2: It was parquet. There you go. Yeah, the flavor says butter. Yeah, and I had that... (laughs) Gave me no end of enjoyment as a child.
1: It was just an assault of margarine commercials. Like pantyhose commercials, margarine commercials. There was like a 20-year run where the, those two products accounted for about 80% of commercials.
2: I got legs on my legs and margarine in my refrigerator. So
1: <laughs> Try not to get them mixed up.
2: It could get
0: slippery.
1: But for one magic moment, we had King Toast showing us the way with margarine. Anyway, next, here we go. Here comes David Spade makes his big entrance oh. uh, as Scott, the uh, third year medical student.
0: Scott bossy pants, medical student
1: <laughs> Who keeps
2: medical waste in the refrigerator, yeah. <laughs> which I'm pretty sure he wouldn't even have access to as a third year medical student. You'd be surprised. <laughs> OK, so like, again, there's been so many Facts of Life attempted spinoffs, I think. Like, because we've now met all the characters. In my opinion, I think this is the strongest one. This one could have gone. But if it did go, the Scott character would have to go. Because I don't want to see all artists and then, like, a doctor, let alone one who is constantly sexually harassing his female roommates. Because there's twice that he offers to give free chest exams Uh, to, to the lady. And it's just, he's gross. And he's doing his David Spade shtick that he's made a career out of and like whatever the the character's awful we'll get into their attempts to humanize (laughs) this character in a bit but i do not care i like all the other characters in this i think it's a solid but again get rid of david spade put 2d in there you got (laughs) you got (laughs) gold five seasons good to go
1: Spade's characters, I agree, certainly not a, a likable character. And yet I did not get, why are we going back to the chest examination joke a second time? I, I don't oh. get why the, why we needed a second round of that. And yeah, a, a little bit of David Spade tends to go a long way. That said, when he makes that entrance and just starts going through the apartment and he's listening his his announcements to the group or whatever, you could kind of tell this, this guy... Could really have a career ahead of him. Oh
0: yeah, yeah, he had a presence.
1: Very young. This is one of his very first credits. He he done uh, speaking of police academy. I think his only the only earlier credit he has on IMDb is a uh, uh, police academy four.
0: So this is his first time on a sitcom, then.
1: Yes. Oh yeah, and yeah, he had that swagger, and he he was kind of ruling that scene in in a way that the other characters I, I think would not have been able to. So uh, you you got to give him that, and, and obviously he was only you know a couple years away from. Uh, really becoming a star on SNL.
2: Had it gone, it would have been he would have been like the breakout character, but they definitely I mean, and they, they already softened him by the end of this episode. But yes,
1: yeah, they would have had to reel him in. Cooler
2: alert, he's kind of a jerk because he lost a patient.
1: Right, right. So there's Spade anyway. I do remember seeing this episode as a rerun, like in the early nineties, when I knew who David Spade was from yeah. SNL at that point, and I was like, oh, Look at that. There's David Spade. This is crazy.
2: It was not shortly after this that he got – there was that one, like, famous HBO Young Comedian special that he did. And it was him and a bunch of other people who went on to be, like, big. And uh, that that couldn't have been too long after this episode.
1: Uh, There's a little uh, controversy about Twinkies coming up next uh, because Natalie uh, eats Nina's Twinkies. My big issue with this moment is that – a young dancer in New York City would not be eating Twinkies at all. Thank you, Kevin. Least realistic moment in the history of the facts of life is that there's a dancer in New York City with Twinkies in her fridge.
0: As a dedicated food supply.
1: <laughs> yes, that's all she had. It's either I got to eat these Twinkies or I'm going to have to eat uh, one of David Spade's throat cultures.
2: <laughs> and also, at this time, there's a lot of discussion about like rent. Uh, like, I'm trying to figure out what the rent is for all of these people. And also, when natalie just asks the people like why don't you just call your parents for money and i love that like they kind of call natalie on her privilege right in in, in that scene and i thought like i thought this episode was kind of written with a little bit more edge and nuance than at least this era of facts of life was because there are a few moments with natalie like she's showing her like naivety and innocence but also like you know, when David Spade's character goes after her and she's like, she really stands up for herself. So I, I think throughout the episode, there are all these kind of threads of more realistic writing that makes it a stronger backdoor pilot than anything they've had before.
1: No, they, they were definitely on the brink of something <laughs> as yeah. far as like, that's this is a good concept for a spinoff.
2: Yeah, it's not like the Bates Academy guys. Which were the worst episodes?
1: On paper, Natalie moving to New York and into an apartment with some eclectic, young, struggling people. That could work if you do it right. Now, this isn't quite right, but they were kind of knocking on the door of something that potentially may have worked. So somewhere around here, uh, Natalie uh, decides she wants to stay. She's going to take the open spot in this apartment.
2: After one night in in the apartment, she decides... These are my people.
1: I'm going to move in with these crazy people and stay here forever. Uh, A giant St. Bernard comes crashing into the room at this point as well. That
0: was my favorite part of the episode. Yeah.
2: (laughs) That
1: was a St. Bernard, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah, one of Nina's uh Nina is walking the dog for the residence of the building, one of her five jobs.
1: She's walking the dog and sticks on uh, Natalie with the giant Saint Bernard. At one point I liked when David Spade was holding the dog's leash for a while. Because yeah. that dog is like eight times the size of David Spade. Yes.
0: Yes. <laughs> you yeah, should have been airborne when that dog moved.
2: It's a nice comedy set piece, the 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 thing with the dog. It was a nice like little bit of business that I, I really appreciated re wa- rewatching this episode.
1: Uh, Richard Grieco has a moment uh, as the actor where he's playing around with a bedsheet and he throws it over his head and pretends he's Casper the ghost for a while. That was a little weird. That was awkward. Yeah, that was a <laughs> weird little... <yeah. laughs> It was kind of hard to get a read on, on uh, Grico's character. He really seemed. He's all over the place. Uh, yeah. He is. Yeah.
0: He is the definition of all over the place.
2: I assumed <laughs> he had just like a secret coke problem that they would get into with in a very special episode because there's no way it wasn't going to carry over. If this went to series, it would carry over some of the very special episode kind of motifs of. Oh, you need it. Max Life in its heyday.
1: Well, the, the very next uh, moment is suddenly they're leaning into a very special episode sort of territory yeah. where you, you get that scene of uh, David Spade, who's been so obnoxious to everybody. And then he has the, the private moment with uh, Natalie out on the balcony and has his little moment, the reveal that, that he lost his first patient and gets the little the little pep talk from Natalie.
0: Do you think, if you guys don't mind me asking, do you think for the spinoff, they were trying to set
2: those two up as a couple I don't know like a Sam and Diane type thing. Yeah. Was like that <laughs> That's an excellent point. It, sure. it's it's gross but No, 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 but it could have been the sort of thing that like opposites attract and he But what about Snake? He I'm sorry, but he is an upgrade from Snake. And Snake <laughs> No, that's an that's a great point. I ship it as the kids say.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and now this is kind of um as strong as Spades entrance scene was this was a little weak now we're seeing spade can't really pull off i think the sad drama moment about losing the patient there's
2: no pathos here yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah, yeah. he's not in his comfort zone (laughs) doing a scene like this which i get you know he's not not a a veteran actor
0: (laughs) but it is fun to watch him try (laughs) that's
1: right
2: Oh, and coming up next is another thing that infuriated me about this episode. Oh, what would that be? Well, Natalie, street smart Natalie, she's out checking out New York City, and she gets her purse cut off her shoulder. Right. And because she was robbed, Natalie feels so crestfallen and heartbroken that she thinks, yeah, you know what? Maybe I shouldn't come to New York and follow my dream. (laughs) And this goes against everything we know about Natalie as a character at this point. And it also overlooks something that happened in one of the series' best episodes, Season 3, Episode 9, in which Natalie, on her way home from a Halloween party dressed as Charlie Chaplin, was assaulted and almost raped. That's right. And it is a very, like, look, I'm not being snarky or anything at all, obviously, this is a super important subject matter, it was, in my opinion, the best um, very special episode that the facts of life ever did because of the power of Mindy Cone's acting. She sold it. I love Mindy Cone. I love Natalie green. I think Mindy Cone is just such a delight and like getting her purse stolen would just be water off of her back. She is so tough that that was like a contrivance that annoyed me. It's
1: a really good point. No, that that's valid. And it- to have it, they addressed, okay, she's coming from privilege and all that before. Yes. But that said, we've been watching Natalie every week for the past eight years, and she's been through a lot. And yeah, uh, the, the lost purse would not have rattled her.
2: Yeah, there, there's a million ways reasons why that wouldn't have happened to Natalie. She's not like a rube. Like, I could see it happening to Tootie. Because Tootie, for all of her Jermaine Jackson freakouts, is still uh, she's still like very much a dreamer and an idealistic character.
1: Oh, no, Tootie went, went wandering into New York City uh, a few years earlier and very nearly became a prostitute. Nearly, because
2: that, is, <laughs> that is another of my favorite facts episodes. But Tootie, Tootie never kind of lost that childhood naivete. For yeah, I mean, to the detriment of the character in many ways.
1: Well, she did it. There were a couple of episodes like that because there was the one where yeah. where. She nearly became a, a very inappropriately young model.
2: Yep, it's treasure elite, cutie. It's treasure elite.
1: Yes, um, yes, like Coco. And, and then there was a uh, prostitute. The so yeah, she had a, a pair of uh, a <laughs> prostitute. Very difficult episodes that we that we got through. So yeah, anyway, yeah, Natalie.
2: Uh, oh my god. <laughs>
0: just i think i think you just blew chris's mind with prostitutes. <laughs> oh my
1: god like i
2: wish aol still had a chat room so my screen name could be prostituting <laughs> but then i would also probably go to jail
0: can we rate this show on a scale of prostitutes <laughs>
2: Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, no. Kevin, you get infinite prostitutes for that joke. I'm going to be laughing about that for days.
1: Oh, the mayor and I have been referring to that episode as the prostitute episode for literally years. (laughs) So I'm I'm glad I can finally share it with the world (laughs) like this.
0: Thank you. Oh,
1: my God. So Natalie, meanwhile, as she's uh, all torn up over the, the stolen purse When she was kind of looking back at what a great time she was having in the city up to that moment. And there's kind of an odd line where she says, all that was missing was throwing my beret up in the air. Which I thought was weird because that's a reference to Mary Tyler Moore, I assume. Yeah. Which happened in Minneapolis. Right. Good point. Wrong city. Yes. But, you know, fine.
2: Oh, that nitpick did not pass by (laughs) me. Yeah. (laughs)
1: We are here to nitpick. <laughs> yes. I paid my respects at the Mary Tyler Moore statue in Minneapolis a few years ago. That's fantastic. She's frozen in time, throwing that hat in the air. Anyway, after that, they convince her, no, it's fine. You should stay. And she agrees, okay, I'm going to go back to Peekskill, get my stuff, and then come back here and live with the four weirdest people I've ever met. And that's their little happy ending to the backdoor pilot segment of the show. Yes. We do get a... Uh, Final scene back in Peekskill with the regular cast, and this is a post-garage sale, picking up the pieces following their big, wacky garage sale. And I think I can guess uh, what you were teasing earlier, Chris, if you want to bring it on home for us.
2: Okay. So, Natalie can't quite go back to New York because she uh, she's looking to get a letter of recommendation from her boss at the Peekskill Register, which is the uh, the local newspaper. So she's she's kind of hanging around to get that letter, but Tootie turns out she got the part. Right, that right. she she got a call back and she got the part. At this time, the same time this is happening, Blair is still running around trying to sell everything in the house, <laughs> you know, on her little never ending yard sale, which apparently has been going on for at least 72 hours at this
0: point. <laughs> yeah, cuz that's how yard sales
2: roll. Before, <laughs> yes. And roll is important thing cuz she wants to sell 2D's uh, roller skates, which is oh. just an absolute given the fact this is the penultimate episode more or less. I know they yep. cut the finale into two parts. That's just a really nice callback to when 2D, you know, wore uh, roller skates and the whole reason she wore roller skates in the early years of the show is to give her some height because she was so tight
1: yeah Kim Fields was tiny and those those skates brought her up to closer to the other girls in height but yeah what a treat to have that callback and to actually hold up the skates yeah. to season one 2D they
2: looked to me like the same skates too oh wow so that I was like yeah but then then it just gets even better and it is it is complete Chris Cummins bait at this point <laughs> part that Tootie got is a part that she has to do on roller skates. And friends, there was only one show in this time period that involved roller skates. And it was my beloved Starlight Express. Oh, right. So, Tootie <laughs> gets a part in Starlight Express. They gave her the happiest of happiest endings in Chris Cummins's Demented Mind. Which is be <laughs> in... Starlight Express my love for Starlight Express is So boundless And just I could do a Whole podcast on Starlight Express And god help me I will never do that To torture you all but <laughs> It was just a nice little nice little Chef's kiss moment um, yep. I would give this episode uh, Infinite uh, Prostitutes just for the Starlight Express button alone <laughs> So So this episode was, uh, in my opinion, your your mileage may vary, Kevin and Corflake. I think this was the strongest of the backdoor pilots.
1: Well, in that case, I think we've reached the end and we do have to rate this uh, on our 2D scale. You can use the prostitute scale if you like.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Just try and stop me.
1: That is an option. But uh, our, our 2D scale, which we've used throughout the backs of life, is on a scale of 1 to 10 2Ds. How are we going to rate this episode, uh, Chris? Why don't you go ahead and register your official vote? Okay, I'll I'll
2: give it a seven because I think it has a lot of potential. So seven,
1: seven tuties,
2: uh, seven prostitutes. I give this episode.
1: <laughs> that is a good score, Cornflake. What do you think?
0: Feeling pretty generous with my prostitutes tonight. <laughs> I'm going to give this on, on a scale of one to ten twoties, I'm going to give a nine. I'd give 10 if we were going to get both Kim Fields and Mindy Cohn, but I will give nine for everything that that backdoor pilot had going for it.
1: Fine. Uh, I'm going to go, I think, I feel like I want to go nine as well. I'm going to give it five tooties and four prostitutes for a total of nine.
0: (laughs) Oh, good mix. I like the way you blend those.
1: Yeah, this was a strong... Backdoor pilot. As goofy as it was, and as many problems and issues as we've pointed out in the wacky world of Facts of Life, this was great fun. Here's a question. Let's say this had gone to series with David Spade. How does that impact David Spade's career? Let's say there was like a a three-year run of uh, Big Apple Blues. I'm guessing that means David Spade never goes to Saturday Night Live. Right. Probably not. Does he even have a movie career after this? Would this have completely derailed David Spade's career had it been a success?
2: I, you know, I don't know because we do have the Clooney factor with the show to to weigh in here. Yeah. That's a really good point. Who would have guessed like that would have happened? And, and I love like the Over Our Heads era is like my favorite Facts era. Now.
1: Yes. Well, yikes, we've learned a lot about the backs of life and the facts of life here tonight.
2: And a little bit too much about me, frankly. (laughs) But that's good.
1: this has been fantastic I'm so glad Chris that you could join us as we finally get back on board with the backs of life
2: thank you both for having me I really really appreciate you putting up with my nonsense for the past hour well so.
1: I knew that you were up to the challenge because I heard oh. you on a, another podcast discussing a different episode of facts of life yes. uh, last year
2: y- yeah that was my friend Derek's uh, gimmicks podcast uh, yes so if anyone out there ever wants to talk facts of life I will uh, I will happily <laughs> It just it just message me. I mean, I'm not that busy in life. I'll talk facts all the time. But yeah, no, this was this was a lot of fun. I always have the best time when I come on here, so I, I appreciate you both
1: having me on. Oh, we were so happy to have you, Chris. We love having you here, Chris, and we'll certainly have you back again. Probably talking robots. This
2: is the first time I think I've been on here where I haven't mentioned a robot.
1: This has been your first non-robot appearance, yeah. but uh, I know that you 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 can talk about all kinds of stuff. I happen to know for a fact, and yes. everybody uh, should. Absolutely, check out all of Chris's projects, uh, such as, of course, Sci Fi Explosion, which I'm a big fan of, and people Thanks. can find that show on Twitch. Correct?
2: Yeah, Twitch.tv/sci-fi-explosion. I do shows uh, every Friday night, seven p.m. Eastern, every um, Saturday morning at ten a.m. Eastern. I do uh, cosmic cartoons. Which is basically just a retro Saturday morning cartoon experience where I carefully curate old episodes and I insert uh, vintage commercials and public service announcements and other just head-exploding weirdness from the 70s, 80s, 90s, and beyond.
1: The video that you're able to somehow find and put together for people is remarkable and uh, super fun, and and you you will see things on Sci-Fi Explosion that you did not know existed, and you will be astonished. So please, everybody, check out Sci-Fi Explosion. That's where to find chris's fine fine weird video work <laughs> every week and i think we've done everything we uh, set out to do here tonight so cornflake can you please get us out of here
0: sure between shows we encourage you to find us on the internet at flopcast.net facebook.com slash flopcast universadon.com slash at flopcast on mastodon and on instagram Our handle is the underscore Flopcast, and we always think it's so great when you head over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you download your podcasts and leave us a rating and or a review. Music for the Flopcast is written and performed by the Sponge Awareness Foundation.
1: Oh, and this summer, watch for Sponge Awareness Foundation on tour. We will be opening for the Witches of Eastland. Cornflake and Chris, yikes, this has been fun. Thanks for uh, getting through this uh, fine, fine Facts of Life episode review. Everybody, hope you enjoyed that as well. And please remember to be safe, be kind, be silly. Remember, the facts of life are all about you. And we'll see you next week and Prostitutes. (laughs) It's a new era for Doctor Who.
0: Life depends on change and renewal.
1: And the crew from Earth Station Who podcast will continue to guide you through the past, present, and future of the franchise.
0: Though not necessarily in that order.
1: Join us for some wibbly-wobbly, timey wimey talk of stories new and old. Listen to Earth Station Who wherever you access your podcasts. We're a proud member of the ESO Network.
0: We're all stories in the end.
1: It's the secret after show. We're all still here. And and, uh, Chris, I know you have opinions on this subject, as we all do. So real quick, uh, let's just talk about Snake.
2: Okay, well, I I just want to start by saying... um, is it? It's Robert Romanus. I always get him and Richard
1: Romanus confused.
2: Robert Romanus is yes. He's Snake. He's also Mike DeMone in Fast Times at Ridgemont High, which is one of my all-time favorite films.
1: Yes, this is the guy that knocks up Jennifer Jason Leigh in Fast Times.
2: Yeah, and he he plays like similar kind of scumbag in the Facts of Life. Sleazy. He's a sleazy dude. Yeah, yeah. And and my thing was like Natalie just settled for just this dude. He's 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 just like a total <laughs> like slacker i mean he's kind of good to her at first but then after they they sleep together he he's real weird and they break up but it was an important episode that they had to do because at this point it was like wait none of these girls are having sex and like joe had had (laughs) i think like two fiancés over the course of the series oh yeah
1: Joe had been on the series for like three weeks or so and she was running off to right. elope with with her boyfriend. <laughs>
0: right. So it's like, huh? And when you say she could have done so much better, yeah. are we talking like George Clooney better?
2: I actually, I think so. Yeah. I, yeah. I, personally, because I think, I, I just love Mindy Cohn so much.
1: Oh, sure. I think we can all agree that Natalie would have been better off uh, hooking up with Jake the Snake Roberts. Ah. Yes,
2: yes.